It's so true that it's an addiction and all your capacity is taken up with bringing in more people, bringing in more people, more money, the next checkout page, the next offer. It's like sometimes things slow down a little bit. Whatever you're seeing with numbers right now, it's like they'll slow down a little bit because you need some more capacity. You need some more space so that you can explore this and feel into it and let the clarity come through. And I think specific to like the bubble within the bubble, right? The very like feminine energy coaching world. What was alluring was like false simplicity. So there was this idea that, oh, I can just have this idea. I can literally just make one post and create a payment link and that's it. Hello, beautiful souls. You are going to love today's episode. If you want your story to sound like so many of the guests on this show, then you've probably realized that healing your relationship with money is a key piece of the puzzle. Don't worry, I've got you. Head to moneywoundquiz.com and answer six quick questions to learn which money wounds are blocking you. And I'll send you an email with a link to a money healing masterclass for free. No more waiting. Go take the quiz now. What is up? Welcome back to the show. I've got such a good interview for you today. It's one of my favorites that I've done in a while, but I also just want to tell you about the week that I've been having. It has been one of the most challenging weeks in business that I've had in a long time. Just my assistant leaving, hiring a new assistant who turned out to not perform as well as she did in the interview. And so, so many balls were getting dropped and mistakes were being made. And when I started realizing this wasn't going to work, there's just been a lot of things that have happened where now I feel like behind on schedule. Some of the podcasts got edited, but then they didn't sound good. So then I had to hire another audio engineer to fix them up. And in the meantime, (laughs) I discover that when I had removed my old assistant from our shared Google Drive, it just removed all the documents and all the videos and anything that she created, which was a massive issue and led me to discover that, no, I was not on a shared workspace through Google Drive like we are in our agency. And so things don't transfer ownership which has then led me down the rabbit hole of trying to get that set up and moving like 66 gigabytes of data from one Google Drive to another, which you would think Google would make that easy. They do not. (laughs) Spoiler alert, they do not. You have to do this whole crazy export and then import process and so big files. So it takes a long time to download and upload and all the things. And meanwhile, it's like, time is ticking by and I'm feeling unsupported and I'm feeling like I'm planning on launching these big things in my business and what am I going to do? I don't have someone helping me. And so I had been processing it with one of my friends, actually it's Rochelle. You'll remember her because she was on the show recently. And she says, I know about this app that tells you what's going on for you astrologically. And it's really useful in times like this. So you guys, I download this app and you put in like your exact birth date and birth time and everything. And I'm pulling up my phone right now if you're not watching on YouTube. This is what it tells me. In addition to just normal things about my Zodiac, it tells me that I'm in the middle of a 21 month long cycle. I have 18 months left called mission realignment and... I'm in one of the peak times in this cycle right now. And it's, listen to this. I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but during this once in a lifetime cycle, it could feel like you're being taken into unknown territory. Illogical or even irrational events and experiences could affect you and shake your sense of control. Or instead of external events, it might be an internal transformation taking place. It could feel like your deepest fears are being realized or that drastic changes are occurring. Although this may seem uncomfortable, it's meant to be an initiation that will ultimately transform you. And it goes on and on that your worst case scenarios might come up and that there's nothing like it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's just about shedding things and transforming and 
that my job is not to try and hold on to what was, but just to surrender to this whole transformation. And listen to this part. It might appear that everything you know is being destroyed and your entire identity is being dismantled. Well, thank you so much. That is so helpful to know that this is happening and that it's part of an eight. I've got 18 more months. I'm so curious. As you listen to this, you got to tell me, are you team want to know or team don't want to know with that stuff? And then I'll tell you. If you tell me, then I'll tell you what my opinion is. And obviously that sounds like so dramatic when I'm telling you just like annoying stuff that's happening in my business. But it is interesting because I've also just had some money stuff come up in the last couple of weeks that has felt like so old. Like I am beyond this. Why am I feeling this way? And actually, I did a big release over the weekend and I feel so much better now. But it does cause me to question, like, what in the actual F is going on? And maybe it's this crazy realignment to my mission that I'm on. So who knows? It'll be fun to record an episode in 18 months and look back and reflect on this mission of realignment. I do have the feeling that going to Egypt in a few weeks and then I'm on a spiritual retreat just like a couple weeks after Egypt that's all about opening up the third eye and channeling and all that kind of stuff that I will be a very different person a month from now than I am right now. Anyway, I digress. I brought Taylor Lee onto the show and she is super cool, you guys. We had such a fun conversation and it was very off the cuff. And we both talked about things that like we hadn't talked about anywhere else. So I know that you're going to love this conversation. So here's the deal with Taylor. She scaled her business to her first seven-figure year as a new mama. And her mission is to normalize women creating the life of their dreams, doing the work that they love, and running their business in complete alignment for them. And it's so cool because we really talked about this seven-figure mark and what it means and sometimes even like the deconstruction of that identity once you hit that pinnacle, that big goal. So you guys are going to love this interview and I'm just going to let you dive right in. Welcome back to the M Makes Money show. I am joined by the incredible Taylor Lee, and we have such a delicious interview planned for you. Taylor, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. And we've been running in some similar spaces online, and I know that your story around like entrepreneurship and money is very much tied to being a mom. And Mine is two, although it wasn't exactly intentional, but we just started having babies and birthing businesses at the same time. And that was how it all happened. But I do think that motherhood is such a portal for us as women, and it really changes our priorities and invites us to just reimagine what's possible in our lives. So maybe let's start there if you want to just intro us to you and your journey. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I started my business a few years before I became a mom. So it was really interesting to go through that transition, but I'll get there in a minute. I started my business as a freelancer, done for you service provider, doing literally any work I could get my hands on (laughs) for any amount of money that someone would pay me. And then eventually I started having clients who were coaches and course creators and doing all these really cool things in the world. And I just knew that is what I should be doing. Like that nothing could be more perfect than this. Slowly transitioned my business more into the coaching space, bringing on clients in that capacity. And honestly, I feel like that took off really quickly. I had a six-figure year my first year multi-six figures the next, hung out there for a while, scaled my business to seven figures when I became a mom. And that 100% like becoming a mom changed my priorities so much, my perspective so much, challenged me so much. I changed my business in a lot of ways too. So now I help my clients. A lot of them are coaches of various kinds. A lot of them are high ticket service providers. I honestly have clients now who are like financial planners, lawyers, therapists, like all types of things as well. And I'm not super niche down. I help with content and strategy and big picture planning and mindset and energy and money and literally all the things. Talk about life (laughs) as needed. So yeah. I love that. And okay. So I also came from 
done for you world. I mean, we still have our agency. So we run an Amazon marketing agency. And it's interesting, like transitioning into the coaching space. I was like, this is such easy money. This is so much better. And yet now I'm starting to feel like there's this transitioning happening a little bit where I think a lot of people have been in coaching containers over the last year or two where I think they enjoyed it for the most part and got some value. And yet now after the fact, like looking back on the investment, it feels like really intangible. Like it's hard to really say, what did I learn or what did I get from that? And my sense is that people are being a little bit more discerning with their dollars right now and actually choosing to be in spaces where there are a bit more tangible outcomes or a bit more done with you support. I'm curious if you are noticing the same or what you see as far as like trends in the high ticket coaching space. Oh my gosh, 100%. I feel like there's a big shift happening. And I think it's exactly what you're saying. Like people are just reevaluating what they're spending their money on and what they're investing in. And also why, which I think is really good. I think as a consumer, like it's so important to take personal responsibility. And so I'm not saying that no coaches out there have ever done anything wrong or whatever, but like for me, I've even thought about the same thing. And the women I'm having conversations with that have actually been really good, powerful conversations of how we can make the space better. It starts with taking personal responsibility and thinking about like, why did I invest in those things? Because trust me, I have given my power away one too many times in coaching containers and invested for the wrong reasons. And so as much as I could blame someone else for like lifestyle marketing and only showing the good side and talking about numbers and it was like, yeah, but you, and I'm talking about myself, like you bought it though. What was going on right. underneath the surface for you? And I think that happened for a lot of us. And so now it's interesting timing that you asked this because I just did this like whole market research thing. And at least when I was looking at it yesterday, like over 120 people in my audience who were like interested in working with me had filled this out and told me like what they're looking for and what they wish people were offering that they're not and like what they've liked about programs and what they haven't. And it's nothing crazy. And these are open-ended questions. And so seeing people all say the same thing was really interesting. But yeah, they are looking for like tangible skill sets and also learning the skill sets. Also coaches who actually like, I'm thinking about business specific, mm-hmm. that's what I'm asking them about, yeah. that will look at your business, that will get to yeah. know you, will get to know your offers, that will actually look at the content and give real feedback. And one thing that I was sensing too, which I think is an interesting conversation for your podcast because it's about money is I was like, I feel like people are wanting, like a lot of these prices have been like crazy inflated and just very unrealistic for, especially the person starting out, but even someone making six and multi six figures, these prices like don't even make sense. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I really feel like people want accessible pricing, but there is a side of it. And we still have to be smart. I can't undercharge and I have a business to run and I have expenses and we all do. Right. So I asked people what that looked like for them. And people were like, I wish you had a membership that was a couple hundred dollars a month. That's not unreasonable. I wish there was private coaching that was a couple thousand dollars. Well, that's not that unreasonable. Like they're not asking us to charge pennies or nothing. It was just, it was really interesting for me. I've been like, it's been very uncomfortable for me, but I've been like reevaluating everything, changing some things, like having those real conversations with myself and thinking about what really feels good for me to offer next and really trying to put myself in their shoes, which I am in their shoes, right? Like you're in their shoes, like we're all investing and trying to grow and think what's really going to serve my people? What do they really want? Yeah. I'm so on the same page with you. And hopefully for everyone listening, like you may be in the same industry or you may be noticing different trends in your industry. But I feel like in particular, the coaching industry, there's been a little bit of law. We're not in a recession. And it's look, <laughs> things are happening economically that are very different than what was happening during the pandemic and immediately post pandemic. So whether you want to call it a recession or not, consumer yeah. buying patterns are changing and we're seeing that across all industries. And so I think as savvy business owners, we have to look at the trends and skate where the puck is going. What do people want and how can I do that in a way that also still feels really good to me? And 
I agree with you. For me, I've been getting like more hands-on with my clients than ever before. Oh, you want to sit down and have a copywriting sesh? Great. Let's meet on Zoom. Let's have a Google Doc open and let's like bang out some copy together. And I wasn't doing that even a few months ago, partially because like I didn't see myself as a good copywriter, but I was like, okay, let me like up my game because actually I feel like it's so much easier to write copy for other people's businesses than your own. Seriously. <laughs> I was like, turns out I actually have a lot of ideas for your business and what sounds good and will land. So true. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. So let's talk about you now run a seven-figure business and I think I've seen you post a little bit about how there was this point where it started to feel like now I have the status and I have to maintain it. And so instead, it was like a tail wagging the dog kind of a situation where you're like, now I'm beholden to maintaining a seven figure business, like it or not. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, it was weird because honestly, I, the way that I got to seven figures, which I'm so proud of, was like, I did remove. So I don't know if we can ever remove all of the ego. Like it just creeps in. Okay. But I removed so much of the ego. Like the first large chunk of my business was very much ego-based. And by that, proving myself and wanting recognition and thinking once, maybe once I get to this amount, then I'll start feeling seen and recognized and all these things and good enough. And like my investments were worthwhile and the list goes on. Right. And then I had a moment where I was like, this, it doesn't feel good. It's not, no, no amount of money is ever enough. I never feel like I'm getting the recognition, even though I also am, because obviously you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. You have all these clients, like people are picking you there, but it just wasn't, it wasn't helping anything. It wasn't serving anything. And so I made a big decision to like, look at my money, look at my real desires and that's why I made a million dollars. Like, obviously, there's strategy and stuff to it, but that's why I made a million, not to cross a million, not to brag about making a million. I made a really big, like, promise to myself that's not what it was going to be about. And I did it. And I did it for my family. And I did it so I could have this home, like the type of home I really wanted, that I wanted, not that everyone else yeah. wants or whatever, and to move and to make changes with my family and all these things. And so I'm really proud of that. And then once I hit it, and there was so along that journey, I decided like my identity, I was going to start embodying like millionaire mom. And that worked because like to me, I was like millionaire mom, like I'm doing this for my family, for the home, for the lifestyle. And then once I got there, it like instantly changed and it was so good and it was so worth it. And like I said, I'm so proud of how I did it. But then it was like, okay, and now I have to maintain it, yeah. which it's fine. Like I want to maintain it, but it was more so like I have to maintain it because if I don't, now I'm just another one of those people, God forbid, that makes a million and then doesn't make it again the next year and is a failure and like all these horrible things that like literally do not matter. And go figure, I didn't make it again the next year, right? Like we had an 850K year, which is still great, but it's also a big difference. If you just, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars difference from 1.1 million. And it's just proof that ego does not even help. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Work. And all it did was like, honestly, make me feel really bad about myself and really self-conscious showing up. And that doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve my family. It doesn't serve the people in my audience. And that was last year, the 850K year, so 2022. And then now I can't even keep up with what year it is. Now 2023, these last few months have literally been like fully just like cleansing all of that from my space and seeing like what other decisions were coming from that and all of that. It's honestly been a little bit of a whirlwind. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, I think energetically, that's really what we're being asked to do. And I'm by no means an astrology expert. And yet, yeah. even last year, I was like on retreat with someone who's like a full body channel for Yeshua. And like, she was talking about how the certain timing of like right now where Pluto comes into Aquarius for the first time and like, forever and it's all about systems and structures and like shit is going to change because there are old paradigm systems and structures that do not benefit the collective and I actually like forgot about it and then I've been in this huge upheaval with my business behind the scenes like a lot of which I haven't like publicly announced yet I've just I'm like stuff's coming and I know this posts are like so annoying and also <laughs> I'm like I don't even know what to show up and say I've 
had all this energy. I'm like working around the clock. I'm completely changing the structures of my business. I'm like building new stuff that I've like never built before. And it's going to be really low ticket and just stay tuned. And then I remembered about the Pluto and Aquarius thing and was like, oh, yeah, okay, all right. And so to me, it's no surprise that so many of us are feeling this and just answering the call. And it's not that it isn't scary. Of course, anytime there's like a departure from what's worth to build something new, it's like you're thrust into the void. You're like, it's winter and I don't think spring is ever going to come. And what if no plants ever bloom ever again? And then obviously we've all had those cycles and we get to the other side and we're like, huh, okay, turns out actually really great. And everything always comes back to life in new and beautiful ways. Yeah. And it feels lonely, right? It feels like you're the only one going through these like realizations and like the heaviness of it and the clarity. And I always say like clarity, I think clarity is something you can block and you can slow down, but I don't think it's really something you can speed up. Like you literally just have to let it come in yeah, in its perfect timing. And that's as fast as it can possibly come in. Yeah in my experience. And so there's that piece, what you're saying, is spring ever going to come? It's is the clarity ever going to come? Because yeah. I want to love, I mean, there's still things right now that feel unclear. There's some pieces of they're super clear. I feel good. They're in the world. There's a bunch of other stuff that's not worth on it. I would have liked it all to be clear six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or at least like clarity ever feels fast in the moment. It's like no. always when you look back and you're like, oh, okay. So it only took three months to like completely reinvent myself. Gee, wow, that was so slow. It's so true. <laughs> but I just want us to talk about that and name it because literally every time you're going through it, you're like, ugh, it's taking forever. Yeah. yeah. I love what you said about the astrology stuff because it really is for me as a business coach and having all these clients, it's like I'm seeing at this point, it's like there's no one I'm talking to that doesn't feel it. Yeah. I'm like, it's a collective thing. There's something going on collectively and it's harder. Just like you said, it's easier to write copy for other clients, right? Like for other people. Totally. And it's easier when you're hearing them process like ideas and changes and things they're feeling. You're like, oh my God, this is for the highest good. This is going to be yeah. so freaking good. And then when it's here, like, am I crazy? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but that's actually been helpful for me to realize, okay, if every one of my clients is going through it and I can see how it's only going to serve them and the world even more that they're going through yeah. this, I think I can include myself in that too. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. be like falling off track or whatever story yeah. I'm with. Totally. And well, like you said, it's lonely. I think that's why masterminds are such a beautiful space to put ourselves in, not just be holding them, but also be in as clients. And but with leaders that are being real and actually talking about these things, because I've definitely been in spaces where, again, it's been like, no, we're just going to create this alternate reality. And then sometimes you feel even lonelier because you're like, wait, am I the only one? Oh my God, that's so funny. I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned like building wealth for yourself and what it meant for you. And I very much resonate with that because like I have my purse sitting next to my desk from Target and eight months old, the fake leather is like chipping on it. And I'm like looking at it. Okay. Yeah, I need. All right. I'm going to buy a new one. But like purses are not my thing. I have the big mom purse because I need to throw like a million things in it. And my kids are like always wanting me to carry their water bottles and like 8,000 other things. And like I just don't care about some of the things that we consider to be like symbols of wealth. And there's other stuff I care really deeply about. Like my home space feels really important to me and having ocean views and having a backyard pool like that to me feels ridiculously abundant. I'm curious, like, what are some of the things for you that really feel like wealth? And was there anything that you tried on for size only to realize this is like somebody else's definition? I agree with you. Like, my home space is so important to me. And other than that, though, like, I will say when I was traveling right now with having so many little ones, I'm like, you couldn't pay me to even want to get on a plane with these kids. Like, (laughs) I'm just saying home. Which is why my home space is so important to me because I'm I've been here for a while and I don't plan on leaving. Yeah. 
<laughs> and but like also all the memories and travel and I have big plans for that and the travel I've done in the past has been really important to me and like flying first class big difference like <laughs> upgrading in those ways like I'm all about convenience I will pay extra for anything that makes things more convenient yes please but some things that I've spent like a lot of money on that I realized like really didn't matter to me were Yes, the bags. I've got like Chanel, Louis Vuitton. I have no hate, but the dumbest Louis Vuitton suitcase that just irks me so much because it's so impractical. I spent way too much money on it. But the thing is, if, if you're into that, it's great. And I really need to just sell that to someone that's into it. But it just did not feel like it added any value to my life. It didn't feel like it made me feel any better about myself. It didn't make my life more convenient. Having those bags, they made them less convenient because they're not made to be very convenient and clothes too right like this dress target almost everything i wear is from target <laughs> although most of their stuff doesn't work for me but like i when i started to make a lot more money i started to shop a lot more like higher end brands but not that because i'm not like i'm also here for like s small companies and things like that too but I, Nordstrom and Anthropology and Free People even, which I bought from recently. It's, it's so cute and I love it. But like I've got all these jumpsuits from P Free People that were so cute. And then like in three washes, like you can literally see through them. And I'm like, that was not worth the money. I'd rather wear the $20 one from Target. This has lasted me years. <laughs> Two yeah. pregnancies now. And it's just silly things that like to some people is really important or like, the bag I carry is the Amazon diaper bag backpack that I got when my three-year-old before she was even born. And it's funny because I, I know that one and I have the same one. <laughs> <laughs> I've had people be like, you need a new bag. You need a new part. You need to have something nicer. This. I'm like, number one, I do. And number two, no, I don't. Like that doesn't matter to me. And what feels like wealth most of all, though, is like the time with my family. That's the most special thing. I want to say I know it's corny, but it's actually not. Because there's a lot of parents and moms and family members that don't have that time. And it's literally because they don't have the financial and time freedom that I have. So it's so easy to take for granted and even be overwhelmed and annoyed by because it's not easy having two toddlers running around. Whenever I remember that there's so many moms that wish that they could work a few hours a day and have their toddlers walking in on the podcast interview, that would mean the world to some people. And for me, it's so easy to like, take for granted that right now in this season, I've like really been trying to shift my mindset around that and remember how valuable and priceless that actually is. And it's not something that you can go buy from the store or that'll be available in a few years. Like the time is now <laughs> to make right. it. Absolutely. I often ask myself, like when I look back on these years, what am I going to remember and what am I going to care about? Yeah. I just can't imagine myself being like, wow, like we really grew the business so fast and that being the number one thing. Yeah. It's like as fast as it wants to grow with me loving the work and having the lifestyle that I want and a lot of time with my kids, great. But if any of the other stuff has to be sacrificed, then it wasn't worth it. And my kiddos are a little older than yours. They just turned eight and five. But I'll tell you, even like with the eight-year-old, I had this realization this year. She's in second grade. And I was like, I really want to be spending a lot more time volunteering at the school. She's second grade is almost done. That means we've got three more years in elementary school. And like, I, unless middle schools have changed, I don't remember any parent volunteers in middle school. Okay. <laughs> so it's like right now they want you in the classroom. Faye lights up when I show up and she feels super special and she loves that like her mom is there volunteering. The teacher likes it. I get to know the other kiddos in the class and I'm like, why am I not making this more of a priority? This is actually a very, it's a short season and not to be in lack about it, but just to put it in perspective. What is it about these elementary school years that I want to remember and like, how do I want to show up for that? So I think your take on that with the toddler years is spot on and it will serve you so well. Yeah, thank you. And it's 
I love what you're saying too. And it's one thing I really try to watch my mindset around too is you just just using the example you gave. It's like being able to volunteer more at the school and have more time with her while she's in elementary school. And like, yeah, if your parent's volunteering in middle or high school, you're probably like so embarrassed. <laughs> like, I will. like, mom, get out of here. You're like, I don't even want anyone to know who you are. Where it's like a second grader is like, my mom's the coolest person on the planet. Yeah. It's so special and so sweet. And it's, if that means like one or two less clients, a little less revenue, that is so worth it. And if it's your ego or I'm not trying to like coach at you or anything, I'm just using it as an example. Yeah, yeah. If it's your ego or whatever getting in the way of allowing that, like how silly, like you will never look back and be happy about that. And it's the same thing that I'm telling myself now. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean less money, but it's, right. I think that in the coaching industry, it's, we twist it like that. Nothing means we have to make less money. And yeah, hundred percent. I believe that. But then still at the same time behind the scenes, it's like, there's so much attachment and obsession to like needing to make more and more actions of ego, not actually from abundance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think some of it's ego. And honestly, tell me if you resonate with this. But I know for myself, some of it was like an addiction. Like it was just chasing the dopamine of those payment notifications or just feeling like things were growing or if things felt a little quiet, it was like, oh, how can I like throw a new offer out there or create hype around something? And it wasn't coming from an aligned place. Oh, I have all of the money and everything I need. And I just feel really drawn to offering this to the world. No, it was like, oh, I want to hit this revenue goal or I want to bring in some new clients or I want things to start moving a little faster. And I've really just been like working on detoxing my system from like that. And it's worked almost too well to where I literally can't make myself like post a flash sale on Instagram to save my life. And one of my business besties was like, yeah, like your body won't let you do it the old way because the old way actually won't even work anymore. There's a wisdom in that. But of course, now I'm like, okay, like the new way could just land any day now because (laughs) I'm not doing the old thing and I don't really feel like I'm doing anything to replace it yet. Uh Uh-huh. I know that. Resonate very well. <laughs> it's what we we're saying earlier, right? Like we we want the clarity to come in faster. It always seems slow when you're in it, but and then looking back though, it's like it's now there's space for it to come in. There's space for you to explore. There's space for you to freaking think because we forget like how much time. I just resonate with everything you said so much. Like we forget how much time. Like even though you're probably good at it, and I'm I can whip out an offer like that. I'm yeah. probably one of the fastest at it. Like idea write some copy on a checkout page, share it, people will buy it, which is why it's hard not to do it all the time. But it's like, that is still time. And it's, and then, and all the payment notifications, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's so true that it's an addiction and all your capacity is taken up with bringing in more people, bringing in more people, more money, the next checkout page, the next offer. It's like, sometimes things slow down a little bit whatever you're seeing with numbers right now, it's like they'll slow down a little bit because you need some more capacity. You need some more space so that you can explore this and feel into it and let the clarity come through. And it'll feel slow in the moment, but like I know, and I'm like reminding myself too right now, like looking when I look back at this, it'll be like, oh, that makes so much sense. And it was so. Yeah. And I think specific to like the bubble within the bubble, right? The very like feminine energy coaching world. What was alluring was like false simplicity. So there was this idea that, oh, I can just have this idea. I can literally just make one post and create a payment link and that's it. And that sounds so simple, right? Like we didn't have to write a bunch of sales copy. We didn't, we haven't even created any content or whatever for the offer that we're selling. Literally just like, idea to payment in two seconds flat. However, there's actually not a lot of simplicity in that business model when it comes to sustainability because it's okay. Nothing's actually built for that yet. So either it's an offer that requires a lot of one-on-one exchange of time or you have to then deliver on that. And those sales are only coming in because like you're plugged in the moment in your business. And so I know one of the things that I've been craving is just a lot more sustainability. And it's like in our agency, I don't wonder if we're going to have a million dollar year 
it's not like maybe hopefully if I like post a bunch of random things for sale, it's like we have clients that are on recurring payment plans and like you just do the math and you're like, okay, unless something went crazy sideways, yeah, will be a million dollar year and the month never starts at zero. And I get that like in the coaching world too, like we have plenty of people that are on payment plans and that kind of thing. But I think for me, I'm just like craving more sustainability and more sacred structure, like where there are business structures in place that don't require me to drum it all up and make it happen. Yeah. I think that the ease, (laughs) feminine ease, whatever, like it's really just like how to have a cash injection, which is a great skill. Yeah. Anytime I do get a little freaked out about money, which yes, still happens. I always remind myself like I know how to make money and I could go make thousands of dollars today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know how yeah. to do that. Like we said, I know how to whip out a checkout page, a great juicy offer. That's a pretty invaluable skill. Yeah. And it isn't sustainable. It's great to have in your back pocket, whip it out when you really want to or when you need to. That's fine too. But yeah, the structure, like, especially as a mom, but honestly, just as a human, like, one of the things that was so helpful for me to accept, because I felt, and this was before I had kids, I would literally think like, when are things just going to go as planned and mm-hmm. have a chill month where there's not someone getting sick or some somewhere I have to go last minute and all these things being thrown off. And I finally accepted maybe never. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like my life sucks. Yeah. And it's like, life is just crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I'll throw in babies and kiddos. And I'm sure you get this. I laugh from when before I was a mom and I thought there was chaos because it's just so much more now. Oh, and then throw in like babies and and kiddos and all the things. It's 10 times more. And so just accepting that, again, not in a bad way, but just in like a, that's, it's life and it is beautiful. And a full life is what I always wanted. It makes that structure so much more important. I need things that, that can just run and that I don't have to always be coming up with a new idea and always be creating more like that energy is, it is always available. Sure. I don't always want to have to tap into it. Like yeah. sometimes our energy, I want to put it elsewhere. I want to put it into the people that need me, in my family, in my kid, myself. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget about ourselves. Totally. Letting that be the sprinkles and the cherry on top. I'm so with you. And you mentioned that sometimes you still get a little freaked out about money or whatever. And I want to talk about that. It's a question I've been asking all guests on the show is like, where and when does like money still feel hard for you? Because I think often we have this idea that what whatever the number is, whether it's seven figures, whether it's a six figure year, that like you reach this magical point where like money just feels effortless all the time. And I haven't yet met anyone who can confirm that there is a point that you reach where money feels effortlessly at all the time. So for you, where does it still feel sticky? I've literally been having this conversation with myself like this year because, and literally since crossing seven figures, <laughs> it's like, and even before, because it, you'll see what I'm saying. I really intentionally built up savings accounts and investment accounts. And I think I did really good with my money. I definitely overspent in some areas, live and learn. But like, even despite that, like I built up a really comfortable business savings, personal savings, retirement, all these things. And it all feels like zero because it's like, I can't touch it though. Because if yeah. I touch it, it feels like if I were to ever, this, what, what do we call it? Dip into my savings. Like, oh my God, I'm dipping into my savings. That's what you built the savings for. And I don't yeah. want to dip into it. I don't want to need to use it. But also why did I create it? I yeah. created it so that if I ever had a phase in business where I was changing everything, I was taking a lot of time to process you know, about to have my third baby. And it's, I want to take a longer maternity leave than I have in the past. The last two times I didn't. And this time I'm like, I do. And it's there for a reason. And maybe I'll need it. Maybe I won't. But I've literally been having to have conversations with myself. You're not, if you're dipping into your savings, you're not at zero. It's very far from zero. Okay. And it's not bad. And it's, it feels like, this is what I've realized. And it sounds so silly. I feel like to say, but it feels like admitting failure to Mm. use your, to use your cushion when it's like, what if it was using the resources that you freaking created and put there for a reason? Right. There to serve you as needed and desired. Yeah. 
I love that you're talking about this and in my work with money wounds. I see this come up a lot with people that have the safe money wound where it's just they're like the squirrel that's been like collecting nuts and has them hidden all over the place. But then choosing to live in faux scarcity and like using that as like the prod. Oh, I'm just I'm in discomfort because of this lack. So let me use that to make more because I won't let myself actually experience the abundance that I've created because that's all squirreled away and untouchable. And that's like old conditioning, whether that came from mom and dad, whether that came from society or whatever, there's this idea that there's this untouchable money. And this isn't that fascinating because If I have to have so many rules for myself, it's because I don't think I trust myself. Yeah. So wait, do I think I'm a genius who like put this money aside? Or do I think I'm like a kiddo who's going to get their hand smacked reaching into the cookie jar? Which is it? And which is more empowering? Yeah. Because I know when I hear someone say like that they use their savings for something or whatever, I'm like, you got savings? Go girl. Because we forget how many people don't. And no shame, but like, it's a badass thing if you've built yourself a nice, comfy cushion of savings. Like, and then you got to use it. Like, cool. Right. <laughs> Good for you. But when it's yourself, it's, oh man, because right. I've, I've thought about that. So then what's the point of it if I'm never allowed to use it? Because you're told, I was taught to build a savings. Right. But then I was taught to never use it. Oh, because you only use it if you failed. Yeah. And it's, I only actually get to experience the safety that money can offer. I only get to experience the true abundance of the money in the circulation of it. Yeah. In the spending of it. Like when it's sitting in our account, it actually doesn't do much for us. We sometimes think it does, but then you end up in the quandary that you're in right now where you're like really walking yourself through it. And of course, this is happening for your highest good so that you can lean more into the trust of like circulation and money growing through circulating. But I, I heard someone say maybe a year ago on a podcast, you only get to experience the money when you spend it. And I was like, oh, that's so true. Isn't that fascinating that It's not until there is an exchange and it's quote unquote leaving you that you even experience what it was like to have it. Yeah. It's like one of those like crazy sort of mind blowing things. But it's like also there are clues, right? And the clues are the circulation is the function without it, without the exchange there really is nothing. It's just numbers on a screen. Yeah. And when it's sitting there, it really quickly starts to just feel like zero because now it has to stay there. And it's, and if it goes away now, even though you still have 90% of it, it actually feels like you're in the negative, even right. though you're like in the positive. It's so silly, but our minds, like they really yeah. do these things. So it's, do I feel true, actual, real world? I can't even think of the word. Oh, scarcity now. No, but do I think I feel it emotionally because my brain is weird and has made up all these things? It's all of ours do. Yeah. And it's really weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you clearly have so many tools to walk yourself through this so that you can give yourself an abundant maternity leave and just really lean into the genius past version of you that put this money aside for just an occasion such as this. (laughs) Yeah. And what could be a more important one, right? What a waste if it were to feel like, oh, I failed. Like it makes no sense. Remembering like how much actually it's abundance versus it's a defeat or it's not a good thing or. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And like telling this, living the story, how we want to tell it in hindsight, there's no version of you that's going to be like, I saved so much money during that third maternity leave by just going back to work right away. (laughs) No, that's not going to be the story. The story is going to be that you had a delicious long maternity leave and that it felt so good. And you were so grateful that you gifted yourself with that time. Okay. Any other little like 
money mindset things that you've had to tweak along the way in order to step into these larger amounts of wealth? I think one of the biggest ones for allowing in more money, I think one of the biggest ones which we talked about was like, we hear it all the time, have a why. <laughs> but like when I really made the vision board that I actually really wanted to create in the next year or two, things really sped up. And the other one, because I feel like I talked about that, the other one that was really big too was like, I was associating certain amounts of money with certain people that I thought were a lot better than me or knew things that I didn't know, or I don't even know, like all the stories could go on and on. And so there was a lot of that as well, like seeing myself as good enough to have that amount of money, but also at the same time, more so make, just making it neutral, like a hundred thousand dollar a month for so long, it felt like this thing that like did and that chick did and that coach did and like, they're so perfect and they have it all together and they must really know what they're doing. And that big audience, like all like I could go on and on about all the reasons why they had it and I didn't. And then when I just thought, maybe it's literally just a number. It's just more people in my offers. <laughs> it's just more scalable offers. It's just being consistent, just actually really showing up for it, not making up all these weird stories about it. And maybe I am completely good enough as I am right now, no matter how I am compared to that person, because we're always going to be different. Yeah. That helped a lot too. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but to me, yeah. that was the process of neutralizing all of that like meaning that was really going on behind behind that number once I actually really wanted it for me and for my life. And it was important enough to do. I love that so much. And I I had a similar, like a slightly different take on it, but I think it led to the same place, which was like, I would really study the people that you know, seem to be more successful at this or further along. And it's tricky because people are weird about the way that they tell their stories and they leave out some key facts a lot of times. But as I started like piecing things together, it was like, oh, so you talk a lot about having whatever, a $200,000 like first year in coaching but you were like running a successful blog for eight years. You were showing up like weekly on your local news station. You had this like massive audience that was ready to essentially buy anything from you. And then your first offer was like teaching them how to do something like you are doing. Okay, that actually feels really different than wow, you had a multi six figure first year. Like, First year as a coach, translating a gigantic audience from something else. Yeah. And it's not to diminish like what that person accomplished, but it's more to not make myself feel bad about whatever my first year was because yeah. you're different. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so important. Like any anything that's making you feel bad about you is not serving you to be making the money that you want to make and you've got to do whatever you need to do. And that is part of the process. Like what you mentioned is a great example to help yourself not feel bad about where you are and what you've done so far. That's literally just keeping you in the past. And also, I want to say you probably don't, but like you definitely don't have any reason to feel bad about any of those things because it's just your own personal journey. And some people intentionally leave out details. <laughs> some people accidentally leave out details. It's just, it's impossible to tell every single bit of my story in a quick podcast intro or a totally Instagram caption. So you gotta remember, like, even from the most in integrity person, you're not ever getting the whole picture right. of everything that went into it. And people do just have different timelines. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not anything personal. It doesn't mean anything about you. Yeah. No, it's so true. And it's, if we, zoom out and stop talking about money for a second and talk about all of the other things that might make a successful life, right? Like finding your person, your partner. I don't know why, but that was not hard for me. Yeah. It just wasn't. Like I wasn't even looking and yet there he was and I knew it was right and he knew it was right. And fast forward like 13 happy years of marriage and like it's still good. Aww. And so it's like there are these different like codes that we get to crack or whatever. And I don't know, maybe I worked through relationship shit for a thousand past lives before this one. And like, now it's good. So it may have actually taken me a long time, but in this lifetime, it seems like it was fast and yeah. easy. 
Same thing with like body. Like I don't struggle to maintain what feels like my ideal weight. You can call it genetics or whatever, but it just, it just is. But like money for me always felt like harder. It always felt like this thing where, yes, I was like hitting numbers and like working on it and building up, but it always felt the story I was telling myself was that there were always people doing it better, faster, bigger, easier, and that it was hard for me and that it was easier for them. And like you say, with the timelines thing, maybe they've been working on their money shit for a thousand lifetimes and it actually took them forever. But this one was the one where they got the payoff of all of that. Who knows? But making ourselves wrong is never going to help us. No, it de- it literally helps you in no way. I love that you said all that too, because in the back of my mind, when I said that, I was literally thinking that I was like, maybe they've just had different past lives, and it act- maybe our timelines actually are all the same. I don't know, <laughs> but we don't know, so we might as well stop like making up all these weird stories about it that don't benefit us. If you're gonna make up a story about it, make up one that benefits you. <laughs> totally, write a good story. goddammit. it, <laughs> write the one all made up. Like we don't know for sure, so just make up a good one. Exactly. Like, how do you want your movie to end? Don't you want to ride off in the sunset with the man of your dreams and go to your castle and roll around in your money? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Write that story. Oh my gosh. This was such a fun conversation. And I feel so many people listening are going to want to follow along with your journey and your evolution in this wild world of online business ownership and entrepreneurship. So where can people find you? Yeah, I would say the best place right now is just my Instagram. So at underscore the Taylor Lee and also my podcast. So we just switched my podcast name back over. (laughs) So it's fully free with Taylor Lee. Since you're already listening to a podcast, it might be quick for you to pull that up. So those are the places I show up the most consistently. You'll hear the most from me. So if you're enjoying this conversation, that's where I would say to go. Amazing. We will link those up in the show notes. Taylor, thank you so much for being on the show. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in and we will talk to you soon. Okay. How great was that? I hope you enjoyed Taylor and I just keeping it real. Make sure that you tag me at and makes money tag Taylor at underscore the Taylor Lee and let us know that you listened to this episode. It would mean so much. My top takeaways were these. Number one, figure out what wealth means to you and just let go of anyone else's definition. Number two, be courageous enough to pivot in business when what you're doing no longer feels aligned. Number three, ask your clients and your audience what they want and they will tell you. Number four, identity work doesn't stop when we hit the million and often that milestone brings up more for us to look at and reconcile. And number five, Money wounds can surface at sneaky moments, like tapping into savings for maternity leave. And doing the money healing work doesn't mean that money wounds won't ever come up. It just means that you'll be able to identify them more quickly, that it's happening, and just walk yourself through it more gracefully. So thanks so much for tuning in. I've got a great episode coming up with Cynthia Stant, where we talk about learning to love sales. And of course, we also talk about money and just her wild entrepreneurship story. So make sure that you tune in for that. Thank you so much for listening to the show. As always, like, subscribe, share. We so appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. Listeners like you have made this a top 25% global podcast. So thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share this show with someone you love. I always appreciate listener feedback, so feel free to slide into my DMs on Instagram at mmakesmoney as well. And if you want to explore hiring me as your money healer and business mentor, check the links in the show notes to explore or head to explore.emilywilcox.com. Until next time, I'm sending you all the magic money vibes.